God didn't promise us a life without pain or difficulty, did he? No, he didn't. But he did promise us that he would never leave us and he would never forsake us. And there's nothing greater than you can have if you're going through difficulty than the assuring and comforting presence of Christ who promised that he would be with us. Uh, I want to look at Jonah chapter 2 and I want to talk about crisis prayer, prayer when you feel like that you have been swallowed up by life. And I don't know if it, you may be in a time right, like that right now that uh, you just feel like you've just been swallowed up by life, circumstances, situations, you know, heartaches, grief. You know, it could be, a, I mean, it could be, a, there's a thousand and one different scenarios, but the feeling is all the same, and that is that, that you've been swallowed, swallowed up. Um, and I'm, gonna, I'm, I'm simply wanting to title this Crisis Prayer. Now, there's only ten verses to this, okay, of Jonah chapter 2. Now, it would take probably 30 seconds, well, probably take 30 seconds to a minute to, to read this, but uh, it takes longer to preach. I'll just kind of tell you that. Um, we, we've, we're looking at Jonah, and it's the new Nineveh series and being swallowed up. How do you pray in a crisis? Well, I can tell you this. When you deal with a crisis or a crisis situation, sometimes crises can go on, extended, and and you feel like it's a perpetual pressure that you're you're dealing with. How do you pray during that? Well, I can tell you, it, it, you you don't journal your prayers during these times. Okay, Jonah wasn't in the belly of this whale journaling, putting in his prayer journal what he was feeling. Okay. It was nothing like that. He didn't go to the Valley of Vision, which is one of my favorite prayer books, and, and, and read the prayers. No, I mean, praying in a crisis is like this. I mean, it's the short prayers, like, help. Lord, have mercy. Help. Help. In crisis praying, it's more a matter of the heart than it is what is said. And that's exactly what God was wanting to get to with this runaway prophet who was reluctant to do God's will and who was reluctant to, to go to Nineveh and share a message. Now, you know the story from chapter 1 and last week. God tells Jonah to go to Nineveh and to preach to this great city. It's a very impressive city, a very wicked city. It was an Assyrian city, which, you know, the prophet did not want to do that. He didn't want to go there. Uh, there was no love lost for the Assyrians. Um, and he was to preach that judgment was coming. Now, it wasn't the problem with him that, you know, it wasn't like... I, I don't want to offend them. No, no. It, it was more like, I want judgment to come upon them. That was Jonah's mentality. Um, that was what he was reluctant with. And what you find is, is this prophet really just had a bad attitude. Uh, you know, God called him to do something. 
And he was not only reluctant, but he went the far away that he could, away from God. Now, I don't know about it. Most schools, most, you know, most jobs, you know, you, you, don't do, you, you don't do what you're, you know, commissioned to do or called to do or it's in your job skills that, you know, you usually don't have a job. Well, we find that God is very gracious. Matter of fact, this is more of a story about who God is. And, and the nature of God as it comes to how he deals with this prophet and how he deals with a nation that is on the verge of judgment. So, we, we look at, at Jonah, we, we know the story. Jonah gets on this ship to Tarsus, and uh, he was going as far away from God as he could. And this great wind, the Bible says that, that a great wind, God hurled a great wind now these sailors these guys they they had they'd been sailing i mean they had been down the road a few times but this was a storm that was like none other i mean it was this storm was so bad the winds came up so so fierce that they recognized that there was this was a not not a natural like storm this was more like a supernatural sent storm and so they begin to pray to their gods to calm the winds. And, uh, you know, they, these would have been, this would have been a pagan culture, and they would have had many gods that they would have played, prayed to, and they probably prayed to their god, this god of the sea, or the god of the winds, to, to cease this. And nothing was helping. You know, they called on their gods, their god, it didn't work. And they, then they begin to say, what is wrong with this? What is, what's, the, what's going on here? There is, there, is a, um, there is a spiritual root to this. And the spiritual root was down in the belly of the fish. Or in the belly of, it would be there soon. But it was in the belly of this, uh, of this boat. And Jonah was fast asleep. He was probably just worn out from running from God. And uh, they said, who are you? Why are you here? And he says, I'm, you know, I'm Jonah, I'm, I'm a Hebrew, I serve the God of gods, the King of kings, the God of the Hebrews, and you better pray to your God, basically. And he says, well, I'm the problem, I'm running from God. And they knew better than that, and they were pagans. Like, what? You, what? You're running from God? Yeah, yeah. So Jonah's like, yeah, just go ahead and throw me overboard. Hey, he was like, yeah, go ahead and do it, you know. And, uh, I, you know, it'll be the end of the issue, the problem. And, uh, you know, the story, they throw him over. They pray to God for mercy. They pray, and they turn to God. They turn to, they, they turn to Yahweh. They turn to God during this. And they, because immediately when they threw Jonah overboard, um, you know, the wind ceased. It was a, there was a deep-rooted spiritual issue on this boat. And now it was overboard. I don't know if you've ever felt like that you have been overboard. Have you? There's been times in my own life that I have. And you, you, you pray. And you pray. So here's Jonah. He is, he is now floating to the bottom. Or not floating. You don't float, do you? You drop. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, listen, I did, I did attend that science class in the seventh or eighth grade. Um, he, he, was, he was dropping to the bottom of, of the ocean. And 
The Bible says in verse 17, it's kind of like, now this is Jonah telling the story back, okay? This is Jonah. Now the Lord arranged for a great fish to swallow Jonah, and Jonah was in the fish for three days and three nights. And I'm like, oh, brother. You know, I mean, this is going to be one fish tale. Right? How the fish caught, think about this, how the fish caught Jonah. You know? How the great fish. Now, you know, people of science would say, well, you know, that could have been a whale. It could have been a, there's, there, are, there have been in history large, large, like, uh, whales that, that live on the very, very bottom. And that could have swallowed him up very easily. Um, so this is not... Uh, this is not, there's, there's not anything in the realm of the impossible. And we know that, that Jonah was swallowed up by this great, great fish. So it was in this kind of situation where Jonah is, is kind of on his way down. And Jonah most certainly thought it was the end because it, that's the way he felt. He felt like this was the end of all of it. And then Jonah prays. Now I want you to look in Jonah chapter 2. And uh, this is one of the minor prophets, as, uh, as we looked at here. Um, Jonah chapter 2, in verse 1, it says, And then Jonah prayed, Jonah prayed to the Lord his God from inside the fish. Jonah prays. Now, I want to talk about prayer for just a second, and then we'll go on to it. He cries out to the Lord, and that's what a crisis prayer is. A crisis prayer is like, Lord, I need help, and I need it now. I don't know about you, but there's been a few times that I've uttered those prayers. How about you? God, I need help now. It may be a struggle that you personally go through. Maybe nobody else knows about it. But it, it's something that you cry out to God. And I'm very thankful that we can cry out to the Lord with the depth of our emotions. The Bible says that we have a high priest who is touched with the feelings of our infirmities. He's touched with our weaknesses. He touched, he's touched with what bothers us. He is touched with the afflictions that we have in our own soul. Now, we, Jonah had an affliction of the soul. Now, I'm going to go through this and go back through it here again. Um, so he, he, he had, a, had a feeling of a, an affliction in his soul. He was very deeply troubled. He was deeply troubled. So he, notice here, he cried out to the Lord. And that's one of the things that we see is that, is that prayer is literally calling on the name of the Lord and crying out to God. It is crying out to God. It is, it is beseeching God. It is, it is talking to God. It is asking of God. So there was a soul affliction. He was afflicted in his soul, in his rebellion, and there was a physical calamity that was, that was ensuing upon him, but there was a deeper spiritual calamity or a spiritual suffering that he was experiencing. It's one thing to deal with physical pain. It's another thing to deal with suffering emotionally. And there are differences. You know, the, 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 you know, it's one thing to have physical pain, and it's another thing to have an emotional pain and an emotion that 
and a spiritual suffering particularly that, is a, that goes to the depth of your heart that you feel and know in the depth of your experience. You know what I'm talking about. It's a pain. And it's one thing to describe physical pain. It's another thing that's more difficult oftentimes to put words around the emotional pain that we have. But take care, my friend, and that is take courage because God understands our emotional and our spiritual pain. He does. He understands the depth of your fears. He understands the depth of how you were raised. He understands all the things that you deal with in all your life and what you feel. And even when you don't have words to describe what you can express to God, God understands it because God knows your heart. And thank God He does. God will understand you more than your best friend, more than a mate, more than, uh, more than the pastor, more than anybody that you could call on. God understands the depth of where you're at. And he knows that. Jonah described this, and there's, there's several things here that you will find in this whole chapter. It was an affliction of the soul. It was a depth of darkness. He felt it as darkness on, upon him. It was like he was descending. You know, it's kind of like the guy said, you know, I, I, I saw the light at the end of the tunnel, and he said, I just knew that, it was a, that I was going on a head-on collision with a train. <laughs> you know, he just felt darkness. And, uh, and it was a darkness that ensued and enveloped his soul. It was a flooding heartache. With that, there was probably regret. God, if I'd only done what you'd have said. Or if, and, and he felt forgotten and forsaken. He felt like that he had been completely abandoned. He felt like that he had been completely abandoned. He felt being surrounded and closed in and the feeling of being trapped. All of these are the emotions and the spiritual things that, that Jonah dealt with on his descent down to the belly of a well. But remember that God prepared a great fish for Jonah. And he invited him to dinner. <laughs> you say, yeah, I've been to that. I've had that fish dinner. You know? And it wasn't, the, it wasn't my favorite fish dinner. Jonah was swallowed up. And he said, my soul is fainting within him. He was at the very end of his own strength. Well, there's great news for Jonah. And there's great news for a runaway prophet, there's great news for somebody that's in rebellion. God hears and answers prayer, and God prepares a great fish for him. You know, C.S. Lewis said this about pain. I like this. This is one of my favorite quotes of C.S. Lewis. C.S. Lewis was a philosopher in England, Oxford. Uh, atheist turned Christian. One of the things that brought him to faith was actually the doctrine of the Trinity. Um, and we're studying theology on Wednesday nights. Mike and myself, Mike Brooks, we're teaching that. But he says pain insists on being intend attended to. And it does. Physical pain in our bodies. It, it insists on being attended to. God whispers to us in our pleasures. In our pleasures, he says, aren't I a good God? Aren't, aren't I saying, look, at, look how good at life. And, and it's easy to take the pleasures in life for granted, isn't it not? 
It is. It's easy to take pleasures in life for granted. God speaks to us in our consciences. He, 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 kind, of, he, kind, of, he kind of pokes at our conscience and says, be careful there. But he says, when it comes to pain, he said, God shouts to us in, his pain, in our pains. And he said, it's God's megaphone to arouse a deaf world that he is on the throne. And God uses pain. God, so don't, don't allow the pain that you're going through right now, don't, don't allow it to be wasted. Just say, God, don't get stuck in why, get stuck in what. What can I learn? Help me to trust. I'm reminded of a story of a businessman who was struggling, came to Mother Teresa. And she says, what can I do for you? I think this is, I hope I'm telling the story right. But he says, Mother Teresa, I'm, I'm praying. I'm, I need you to pray that God gives me clarity and understanding. And she just sternly said, I will not pray that you get clarity and understanding. And he's like, what? You're not, I'm not going to pray for you for that. But I will pray that you get trust and great trust. You see, we don't, we don't have all the answers. We don't have even all the understanding of what we go through, even about ourselves and how we deal with things. But God knows us, and He loves us. And the power is that we can trust God with our pain. Matter of fact, the, the, what's amazing, what drives some people in this world to say that God doesn't exist is all the pain and suffering in the world. And you know what? It is the pain and suffering that drives me to say that God does exist. Because I can tell you that when I'm dealing with pain in my own life, whether it's physical, emotional, or spiritual, I am praying more and more and more. It's when life is on easy street oftentimes that we forget God. Isn't that so true? When things are going well. And yet when, we, when, when God allows us in situations where we deal with pain and in our own lives, He causes us to pray and to trust God. So I want to give you some principles about God as, as we look at Jonah chapter 2. Now I want you to look at these and remember that, that Jonah is reflecting back he is reflecting back into this experience with being swallowed up by this by this big fish and there's all kinds of commentaries on this about well you know what kind of fish it was and if he was if he literally died and so forth and but all of this we do know this is that this prefigures something in the New Testament, and that is the death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. And Jesus said it as such. So notice here, he cried out to the Lord in my great trouble, and he answered me. This whole prayer is like a prayer of thanksgiving. From this prophet, he's saying, I called out to God in my trouble. I called out to the Lord, that Lord there is Yahweh, the sovereign Lord Jehovah, God, in my great trouble. And he answered me, I called to you from the land of the dead, and the Lord heard 
me. What you believe about God is crucial when you're going through a crisis. That is not the time to scramble and say, what what do I believe about God? No. You know and learn about the nature of God through the day in and day out routines because what you want is when you go, and this is what you want for your children. This is why church is important. What you want for your children is that there become a default in their, in their heart, in their soul, in their spirit. That when they're dealing with difficulty, they naturally go to the default. And the default is that God hears and answers prayer. Do you hear what I said? If you wait till you're in a crisis to call on God, you're not sure what you believe to be true about God. Well, maybe, maybe God hears some people's prayer, but maybe God doesn't is not hearing my prayer. Maybe, you know, Jonah could have very well have, have been there. But he notice here, he goes back, the Lord heard and answered my prayer. He even called out to him. We need to give a generation, listen, a generation that's dealing with disappointments, dealing with, with anxieties, and dealing with depression, we need to give them a spiritual foundation by which they can call on God and know that the God of the Bible does hear and answer their prayers. He may not answer their prayer the way they're praying it. They may not, they, you know, we pray fix-it prayers because we've been through the We've been to the drive-thru at our fast food restaurant and we get things very quickly. But that God works in the process and even in the disappointments in the life, whether in your life, whether they're relational, whether they're financial, whether they're, uh, whether they're something that deals with your career or whatever, that, whatever it is, that, that you know that you can go to God with what is on your heart. He loves you. See, Jonah understood that. At least he got that in remedial prophetic school. That God hears and answers prayers. Now sometimes, there's been times in my life that I'm thinking that God has sent me back to 101. Anybody that's been to college know what I'm talking about. Class 101, and, and sometimes you have to take a remedial to even get enter into 101. I had to take a remedial English class, believe it or not. And, um, um, and I still ain't learned all of it. I just threw that in for good measure. Um, God hears and answers prayers. Do you believe that? What is it that you believe about God? Now, I'm asking you, what is it that you, and you need to make a mental inventory, what is it that I believe about God? Because that is what you will go and default back to. If you believe that, if you equate, you project onto God what you feel, then you you will live in fear. And fear is a liar. You will project back onto God what you think in your feelings, because that's how you see God. That's the lens by which you're looking at God. But when you have truth and the, and the basis of truth, when you cry out to God, you can cry out with confidence. The Bible says that we can come boldly to the throne of grace and to find mercy 
in time of need. Thank God. Thank God that you can find mercy in time of need. Why? Because there is a God who is over the circumstance. So notice here. Now let me, let me, let's, let's throw this a little further out there. And make it just seem just a little more impossible. Because when you're going through something, the last thing that you want to do is give thanks. Is anybody here like that? Or is it just me? But if you will train yourself to give thanks to God for His nature, that, Lord, you are the prayer-hearing and prayer-answering God, you need, to, you need to hear those affirmations of the truth about who God is so that it sinks down in the depth of your heart and into your emotions. Why? Because your emotions will say just the opposite. So you begin to affirm, God, I'm thankful that my prayer, that my prayer is reaching up from you even in the depths of being swallowed up in this situation. So you go back to the truth of who God is. That He is all-powerful, all-knowing, and that He is indeed the God of providence. So He said, I cried out, notice the next verse. So he gives thanks that God hears and answers prayer. Now here's the next one. Give thanks for God's providential care personally over you. You say, it can't get much worse than this, can it? Well, it could have. But what we have is a story of hope here. I mean, this thing looked hopeless from Jonah's standpoint. Providence is this. Providence is God's foresight in making provision beforehand. God arranged for the fish. Let me just ask you. Providence is the sovereign, divine superintendence over things, guiding them toward divinely predetermined end in a way that is consistent with His created nature, all to the glory and praise of God. There is nothing that you're going through, nothing that you will go through, that is not sifted first through the hands of providence. That doesn't mean that God's caused it. That doesn't, that doesn't mean that God's kind of behind it and, and is, 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 is the author of evil or of the author of suffering or pain in your life. But God does allow pain in our lives. And God in His mercy and in His grace provided a way to preserve Jonah in the middle of this crisis. He, and... So Jonah began to see that God was involved in this. And so he prays to God. And notice here, notice how he, he, he prayed. He, he prayed, he prayed. Notice here, you threw me into the ocean depths. Look at verse 3. Go to the next one. You threw me into the ocean depths and I sank down to the heart of the sea. Notice what he said. Now let me ask you, who threw him overboard? Somebody tell me. Who? Okay, the Bible says that, yeah. Who else threw him overboard? Who? The sailors. The sailors threw him overboard. Now, I don't know about you, but I mean, it, doesn't it seem like the first line of reasoning is like, if it hadn't have been for those sailors, right? Notice here what's not here. He didn't blame 
the sailors, and he didn't blame God. He says, the Lord threw me overboard. And I sank down to the heart of the sea. The mighty waters engulfed me. I was buried beneath, notice here, I was buried beneath your wild and stormy waves. In other words, I realize that you're the God that is in the midst of the storm. And then I said, oh Lord, you have driven me from your presence. You are, you are, you've engulfed me and I can't even run from you down here. And yet I look once more to your holy temple. The holy temple was the place where God in His glory would come down. And the, the Hebrews would go to the temple as the presence of God would fill the holy place. The holy place was where God dwelt. And he says, now how did he do that? I looked once more to your holy temple. I don't know if he went back there in his mind or what, but he's saying, I'm seeking God. No more running from this, from this prophet. No, no more running away. I'm seeking you, O Lord. I will look once more toward your holy temple. I'm not running from you. I'm running to you. Let me tell you something. The best thing that you can do in your pain is to run to God. Make a beeline to Him. See, it's very easy to get angry at God, to blame God. I mean, I've known folks that, that do that, and they'll, they'll blame God for a while, and, and they'll go into rebellion against God and make their circumstances and situation worse. But when you run to God, what you will find is God is in the middle of the pain. He's in the middle of this. And it goes, it goes on to verse 5. He said, I sank down beneath the waves, and waters closed in over me. If if this would have been the lady, or this would have been. Yeah, I'm not going to say that. The seaweed, the seaweed wrapped itself around my head. He would have said, "Man, I look like a mess." You know, I don't look like I'm fit for church. I sank down to the very roots of the mountains. I was imprisoned in the earth, whose gates lock up and shut are shut forever. He says, "I didn't see a light at the end of the tunnel at all." But you, O oh Lord, my God. He was personal. But you heard me, my God. You snatched me from the jaws of death. That's it. You've snatched me from the, the jaws of death. So you give thanks. You give thanks that God hears and answers prayers. You give thanks that God is, has providential care over your life. And you give thanks for the last one. Here's the last one. You give thanks for the mercies and presence of Christ. He says, as my life was slipping away, I remembered the Lord. And my, my earnest prayer went out to you in your holy temple. For my salvation comes from the Lord alone. Let me speak very briefly. to somebody that may be hearing online or you may be here this morning and you may be running from God. Here's the way back. Jonah actually gives us the way back. He shows us and we see a picture of this in, in this beautiful story. 
You see, a, a crisis reveals the depth of our spiritual roots. And what we find is this. He remembered the Lord. And then he received the mercies of the Lord. You say, well, I can't come to God because I created this mess. Oh, my friend. That's when you come to God. You come to God because you're not God. You come to God and you receive His mercy. So here's what you do. Is you remember the Lord. He said, I remember. I remember the Lord. I remember the Lord. I remember the Lord in my life. I, I remember what they... We would put it this way. I remember what I was taught in Sunday school. Or what I heard when, when I, the, the night or the day that I received Christ. I remembered God. I remembered the Lord. I didn't forget him. And then you begin to receive the mercies of the Lord. Lord, I want to thank you for your mercies upon me. Because if it weren't for you, I would have been totally consumed. Totally gone. Totally abandoned. Totally rejected. So you receive the mercies of the Lord. And you know what? The Lord delights in those who humble themselves before him. Because he lavishes mercy. That is the reason why Jonah didn't want to go to Nineveh. He knew that God would pour out his mercies and forgiveness. You return wholeheartedly to the Lord. He said, I remember the vows that I made. Yeah, Jonah, you've got a calling. You've, you've got a commissioning. I'm not too far gone. No, you're not too far gone, Jonah. People have said there's no hope, but there's always hope with God. Remember, he's the God of, who does the impossible. So he returned wholeheartedly to the Lord and God's purpose in his life. Here you go. Here's the steps. Remember the Lord. Receive the mercies of the Lord. Return wholeheartedly to the Lord. And notice what verses, what's ver, verses 8 and 9 say. He rejoiced in the God of my salvation. He said, I will make a sacrifice of praise and thanksgiving to my God for what he's done. There it is. He remembered. He remembered. He returned to the Lord. He rejoices. In the very reality that God is who he says he is. He is. Here's the last one. Then the Lord ordered the fish to spit Jonah out on the beach. Here's something you can think about. Remember that what swallows you up will eventually spit you out. Right? Aren't you glad? And how many of you would say, yeah, I've been there. I've been spit out a time or two. Yeah, me too. That's how you reaffirm your faith in a crisis. That's how you reaffirm the anchor of the soul that connects your spirit with the eternal God. Let's bow our heads this morning for prayer.
you're here this morning and not by accident. Lord, I feel like I'm being swallowed up by something. And I just need the prayers of God's people to surround me. To intercede in my behalf. You see, God's given us a church family. And I'd like to be remembered in this prayer that the pastor's getting ready to pray here in just a second. Slip your hand up. That's me. God bless you. Hold them up there. Hold them up just a second. You know he loves you. He loves you. You're not forgotten. You're not forgotten. It's quiet. Allow the Holy Spirit to speak to your heart. He has been speaking to you throughout the service. Father, speak to these dear souls, Lord, with the comfort and grace of Christ. Empowerment of your spirit. Father, I ask that the presence of Jesus would minister to each one. You saw each and every hand that went up, Lord. I pray that during this time that we would lean into you strongly, mightily, as our God, as our refuge, as our sanctuary, as our peace. You know, you may be here this morning and you say, I just need to bring some things to Jesus. You know, this altar is open. You can come. You don't have to come, but you can come. Some folks will be here to pray with you. Maybe it's been things you've been trying to fix on your own. You say, God, here it is. Here it is. loves you Father may the power of your presence minister with grace and mercy you know our hearts and you love us draw our minds and our hearts and our lives to be completely surrounded by you 
through the intercession of Christ and the Holy Spirit pledged in our behalf. We thank you for all the mercies and graces. I pray that you would change our lives, change our prayers to thank you prayers. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for the power of your grace, the power of your might, the power of the working of your hand in our lives. Thank you for your providential care. Thank you for the things that you've allowed that have drawn us to you. Thank you that you're the God who hears and answers our prayers. We worship you. You're forever worthy and ever worthy. Forever worthy and faithful. We cling to you. Knowing that your sovereign hand is upon us. We pray in the name of Jesus who's strong and mighty, who conquered the grave. And in his life we live. We receive your mercies in Jesus' name. And all God's people together say, Amen. Amen.